0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Welcome to Meet and 3, Heritage Radio Network's weekly food news roundup. I'm your host and communications director of HRN, Kat Johnson. It's the beginning of our second season, and it's also officially football season. When I said I wanted to do a whole episode about football, I got some skeptical looks from the rest of the Meat and 3 team. But by the end of this show, I think you'll be just as fascinated as I am by the role food plays on the gridiron. Come along as I show you how athletes eat, whether they're an NFL star or just made the JV team at their high school. But before we kick off, we've got to hit up the tailgate. If you've never tailgated before, I can best explain it as a bacchanal of sportsdom. Imagine hundreds of fans gathered around a stadium, beers in hand, smoke wafting off hundreds of grills, all in anticipation of the big game. This past weekend, I was in Atlanta for the first college football weekend of the year at the brand new Mercedes-Benz Stadium to watch the Auburn Tigers play the Washington Huskies. And now is when I will say my obligatory War Eagle as an Auburn grad. Tailgating is an art form if done right, but you've got to be prepared.
2: And please, for the love of football, do not do a recipe for the first time.
1: This is Rusty Bowers.
2: The owner at Pine Street Market here in Atlanta, Georgia.
1: He's also known as the
0: meat magician.
1: Meat magician.
0: Yeah, do something that you, you can pull off without stressing yourself too much. You know, the point of tailgating is to spend time with people and enjoy the interaction.
1: And this is Nick Leahy, who's opening up X and Tintin, a French restaurant and wine bar in Atlanta this fall. But for now, he's a bit of a nomad.
0: Nomad chef does sound better. We'll go with that.
1: Nick's top tailgating advice is to poach chicken drums and wings well before game time.
0: It lets you cut down your cooking time. It lets you get flavors all throughout the meat. And if you cool your protein down in the liquid that you poached in the day before, it'll soak in all that moisture. It'll really help keep whatever you're cooking nice and moist and tender that way too. That's fancy and delicious. Fancy chicken wings. That's what I did. (laughs) Very nice.
1: Rusty surprised me with his decidedly non-meaty tailgate tip.
0: Have some fun filler. Have your
2: pimento cheese, your, your favorite pickles. Have some celery and carrots, torn grilled pita, chips and salsa, guacamole in addition to what you're grilling. So you're not just sweating, 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 trying
3: to rush the food out.
1: Here's another Atlanta chef who's a master of the art of tailgating.
3: My name is Kevin Rathbun. I participate as the Falcons chef for Taste of the NFL.
1: His number one tip?
3: More than anything, it's a teamwork effort, just kind of like the the football team. You know, I think there needs to be a to-do list for everybody, because I think if one person takes it on, it's a lot.
1: You have to remember.
3: Tents and tables and utensils and all that kind of stuff has to be thought to, and drinks. I mean, we got to have bourbon, right?
1: Yes. Yes, we do. But when you plan successfully.
3: The sky's the limit when it comes to tailgating.
1: Thanks to Nick Leahy, Rusty Bowers, and Kevin Rathbun for sharing their tailgating pro tips. Now, it's game time. When it comes to a football player's diet, I don't think anyone's gotten as much coverage as Tom Brady, the New England Patriots quarterback. You may love him, you may hate him, but clearly his diet of balanced real foods and self-branded nutrition products is working for him. He is the most winning SQB in Super Bowl history, after all. But Brady isn't alone in taking nutrition seriously.
3: There's a greater percentage of guys that have a a clear focus on what they're putting in their body. It may not always be something I agree with um, because they have more people influencing or trying to influence them.
1: This is Scott Seynert.
3: I am the director of sports performance and sports dietitian for the Dallas Cowboys.
1: When Seynert moved to Dallas, the team's longtime talent scout Gil Brandt wrote on Twitter, in efforts to always be better, the Cowboys have hired Scott Sainert from Auburn as nutritionist. That's like having an extra first-round pick. So what makes him the team's secret weapon?
3: Well, I think, you know, whether it's a, a in a tactical setting, whether it's uh, dietitians working with high school athletes or, or college athletes or wherever the, that person works, we all have a, uh, a role to play to solve a problem. I think in the professional sports and, and certainly in the NFL, you um, Sort of the recovery from games is the problem I'm often trying to solve.
1: Recovery can look different for every player, but nutrition, good sleep, physical therapy, and pain management techniques like cupping and acupuncture are just some of the tools they might use. When it comes to what athletes put in their bodies, anti-inflammatory foods are a major focus.
3: Phytochemicals, those plant chemicals that fight inflammation are are the strongest, um, that's where you're going to find those. You're not going to find phytochemicals in the chicken breast.
1: Some players have fully embraced the anti-inflammatory power of plants and are even going all-in on a vegan diet.
2: Derek is one of those people. He's definitely a research-driven person.
1: This is Chef Charity Morgan. She's married to Derek Morgan, an outside linebacker on the Tennessee Titans.
2: I wasn't a plant-based chef before um, my husband was the one who decided... He wanted to go plant-based first.
1: Charity also happens to be a Le Cordon Bleu trained chef, so she put her culinary skills to work.
2: I jumped on with wanting to A, support him, and B, because I was having my
1: own digestive issues. Derek wanted to make the switch to a vegan diet to help with a few things.
2: Number one was inflammation, two was recovery, and three was sleep.
1: Charity's meals were healthy and delicious. Soon, Derek's teammates were saying... That looks
2: banging. Can I? Can you tell your wife to send me
1: one? Next thing you know, I went from just sending
2: Derek Mills to having a full-on business.
1: It's clear in talking to Charity that she loves sharing the joys of a plant-based diet with the Titans.
2: Not for nothing, it opened up um, a lot of these guys' mind and and say, okay, I, I I can be vegan. Vegan isn't about eating salads and steamed vegetables because that's what I thought it was, but. I'm eating all of the same things I was eating. It's just cleaned up versions and it's just using um, plants and and grains as its main component.
1: So what does Scott Sainert, the Cowboys nutritionist, have to say about a vegan diet for NFL players?
3: It's it's obviously 100% plant-based. And so I can get fully behind, let's eat more plants, whether it's fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans, nuts, seeds, all of these different things. As cliche as it sounds, I'm still a believer of um, sort of an all foods fits sort of scenario. I do believe that the more whole the food is, um, the better it is for you.
1: Thanks to Scott Sainert and Chef Charity Morgan for giving us a peek into how NFL players use food to fuel their recoveries. Next up, we take you to Auburn, Alabama to see how football players eat at the college level.
4: So you walk in and it's this like pristine building with huge wooden rafters and murals of all these iconic spots on Auburn's campus, like Tumor's Corner. And then you swipe your card at this little cashier register thing with this woman. And she's like, hi, welcome to the wellness
1: center. This is Mary Margaret McCartney. She was our intern over the summer, and now she's a freshman at Auburn. She's giving me the 411 on the Wellness Kitchen, a $6.6 million, 10,000 square foot facility designed to provide optimal nutrition for student athletes.
4: There were a bunch of really tall people, some really like muscular looking people. So there were definitely athletes in the
1: building. By the way, this dining option did not exist when I was a student at Auburn. Not that I'm bitter or anything.
4: On the whole, the, the facility is much nicer than other dining halls. Not that other dining halls are like bad. This one is just super nice. It's got the subway tile backsplash in the kitchen area. These really nice light fixtures over all of the counters. All of the menus are displayed on flat screen TVs.
1: Now, this sounds super cool, but the football players at Auburn can't always eat here. What about when they're at away games or home for the holidays or even after they graduate? Not all of them will go on to play for the NFL, where they'll work with dietitians like Scott Sainert. That's where Lauren Silvio comes in.
5: I'm the director of sports nutrition for Auburn Athletics, and basically what my job is is to educate our student-athletes on food and nutrition, help kind of guide them to make the right choices, and... um teach them about the basics of nutrition so when they leave here they're confident and you know have knowledge about food and the right choices to make whether they're an athlete or they're going into a career
1: i asked mary to do some meet and three extra credit by speaking with lauren over at the athletic department
5: what's the base level of nutritional knowledge for incoming freshmen it's dependent upon the team honestly or dependent upon the student athlete um we have some kids that come in and they had a lot of interest in nutrition. And then we have some people, like you said, that have absolutely no idea what nutrition is or what different foods do for your body. Um, So we do try to do some basic education. A lot of our dietitians on staff do initial consults with the freshman student athletes to kind of get an idea of where they're at and then go from there. We have 530-ish athletes, I think, and we have international athletes. Do we have any international football players? We have an Australian kicker that just started this year. I've never
4: thought about that before.
5: A lot of our international athletes, sometimes, um, depending on where they're coming from, things in the grocery are marked differently or marketed differently, and they don't really know what to look for. I thought that was really interesting when I first got into sports nutrition because I was working with a couple, couple international athletes, and they were like, I just don't even know what the milk means here because it was completely different from their you know, home country. What's your biggest challenge
4: here as a nutritionist and like what's the like most gratifying part of it all?
5: I think the biggest challenge is probably wanting to do so much for all of the kids but not being able to like be in multiple places at one time. Um, thankfully I have a really great staff and then as far as most gratifying part I think just seeing our student athletes succeed and also knowing more when they leave here than what knew when they got here because you know in SEC school people are fans and that's awesome because fans are you know what makes this thing go but we also have to realize that they're kids they're 18 to 22 23 year olds and they have a lot of other pressures and things going on in their lives so I think it's really cool to get to see them as more than just that person you
1: see on TV. Thanks to Mary Margaret McCartney for her on location reporting at Auburn, and to Lauren Silvio with the Auburn Athletic Department. Our final story this week is about the largest group of football players in the U.S., the more than one million high school athletes. They live in every state in the U.S., from cities to rural areas, and come from all walks of life, but many of them have dreams of making it to the next level. What's crazy is by the time many kids step onto the field as freshmen in high school, they've already been playing football for years.
4: Fourth grade? It was a peewee team for the school I went to.
1: This is Scout Kirkland. He's on the football team at Ufaula High School in Alabama. I spoke with him and his mom. I'm
6: Corey Kirkland. I am the mother of an athlete at our local high school in
1: Ufaula, Alabama. And I also volunteer for the football team running their social media. I know Corey and Scout because I grew up in Eufaula. I was a majorette in the marching band, so obviously I was instrumental to the football team's success back in my day. Somebody's got to twirl those batons. Corey's a big reason I decided to do this episode about food and football, because of a story she told me about Scout's experience in middle school. Well,
6: when the coaches wanted him to gain 20 pounds and it would be less than a year's time frame, it was just a little bit overwhelming. And they told me they wanted him to eat 4,000 calories a day.
4: They just told me that it'd probably be best for the sport that I was playing at the moment that I ate a little bit more, tried to get a little bit bigger, because like the athleticness would come along with that. Because like the bigger you are, it just helps out with the sport. And they didn't really care how I gained the weight, they just, as long as I gained it.
6: So initially, I texted a coach and said, what are your advice on um, like protein bars or protein powders, meal replacement bars, those kind of things to get those extra calories in. And that's when I was told the first time, well, just take them to McDonald's and feed feed Big Macs and milkshakes. And when I told Scout that, he was just, no, we're not doing that. Some of Scout's teammates did take this advice, though. And I think when you look at their bodies you can see a big difference in these people that do have a lot of fat, especially around their belly, and Scout, who doesn't
1: have a lot of fat around his belly. This made me wonder, what advice should be given to high schoolers with dreams of playing football at the college and maybe even professional level? And who should be giving it to them?
7: Yeah, and there are some coaches out there that will certainly defer to individuals such such as myself um, or even bring registered dietitians in to speak with their teams. But occasionally you do get the information being doled out to athletes that that can be incorrect. This is Laura Moretti. I'm a registered dietitian with an expertise in sports medicine. I'm the dietitian for the female athlete program as well as the division of sports medicine and orthopedics at Boston Children's Hospital. I think nutrition is one of those topics that there's a lot of incorrect information out there. So it's not just about adding in tons of extra calories um, for weight gain, but so much of it is around the timings, figuring out, you know, are these kids eating balanced meals throughout the day, right? What is the
1: content of them? I asked Scout and Corey about the food options at EHS.
6: But I even was talking to the lunchroom um, manager last week. And she said, well, Scout hadn't eaten lunch in the lunchroom since Wednesday. Well, the where his football time in the day is, it's right before lunchtime. So what is he doing? He's grabbing a peanut butter and honey sandwich before he leaves the indoor facility and eating it. And then he's full at lunchtime. Is that that what he needs to eat every day or would he do better to go and not eat that and then have a nice chef salad?
7: According to Moretti, irregular eating schedules could be a problem for athletes. scouts' age. It really does matter the timing of meals throughout the day, right? A lot of times I see in my high school athletes that they're skipping breakfast and the coach is telling them to eat more, so they're going home and eating a huge meal in the evenings or eating after dinner or eating everything at lunch and dinner, and they're actually not going to absorb all the protein that they're intaking either.
1: Gone unchecked, bad eating habits can even lead to what dietitians call disordered eating in athletes. We only absorb about 30 to 40 grams of protein at a time. So
7: if an athlete's just sitting down and trying to eat a gigantic meal once or twice a day, they're actually not going to absorb all the protein into their muscle, which is really one of the big goals too, right? To get stronger. Um, And you could find yourself in a situation where an athlete's gaining significantly more body fat as a result of just kind of eating whatever they want to get more calories in.
1: Most high school football players don't have access to dietitians like Moretti. Nutrition probably isn't at the front of their mind as they chase the dream of playing at the next level. But if they're lucky, they have a de facto team mom like Corey who cares. They choose chef salads over Big Macs as often as possible.
6: My involvement with the program kind of started because Scouts very passionate about football. So I want to be involved in their lives and get to know and build relationships with these boys that he spends all of his time with. And... At first, it started as volunteering on the middle school level being the quote unquote football mom. But as I kind of got into it, the area that we live in and the demographic that we live in, being in a rural and poor county within Alabama, there's so many of these boys that initially needed a ride home. Um, and then as you took people home, you realized no one was at home when you took them home. And then sometimes you realize that they may or may not be eating what they need to eat or have a place to sleep that's good for fostering sleep. And so we just kind of started on weekends of football games, having players come back to our house and they'd spend the night and they could hang out the next day, go swim in a neighbor's pool. I would always cook a big um, breakfast for them. And I'd do like pancakes, scrambled eggs, bacon, sausage grits.
1: Honestly, I think Corey has a pretty good idea of what it takes to feed an army. I mean, teenage boys can eat.
6: Whenever we had a player here, it was always a big point to feed them. Never send them home without a meal. If they fished, always send the fish home with them. Um, Perhaps a pack of frozen hamburger meat or something out of the freezer along with the fish so that they always had something that they were taking that they could have later. And before you knew it, I traded my car in for a new car with third-row seating so I could haul around three extra football players. So it's kind of just become being a second mom to about 75 boys. Um, And sometimes I think for Scout, he loves it because it's people here that he can hang out with. And then sometimes I think it's kind of gotten to where it, it monopolizes some of the time that I would have normally had with just Scout.
1: So what does Scout think?
4: It's good. (laughs) Thanks. She doesn't get paid. You're right about that.
6: I will tell you this, Catherine. His his answers are getting shorter and shorter because it's that time of the evening that he wants a second meal.
1: (laughs) He eats all the time, so he's hungry. And with that, Scout was off to eat his second dinner. I didn't get a chance to ask him if it was plant-based or included any Tom Brady nutrition products. Thanks to Corey and Scout Kirkland for giving us a look into the life of a high school football player and to Laura Moretti at Boston Children's Hospital for her insights into the world of child nutrition. That's it for this week's show. We'll be back next week with an episode devoted to cookbooks, including an interview with one of Katie's top food heroes. Stay in touch with us. Whether you have a story idea or would just like to say hey, write us anytime at ideas at meetin 3nyc That's all spelled out. Be the first to know when we post new episodes. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love what you're hearing, please recommend us to your friends and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Special thanks this week to Mary Margaret McCartney, our intern at large in Auburn, Alabama. Meet in Three is produced by Liza Hamm, Hannah Forden, Katie mosman Wadler, and me, Kat Johnson. Our theme song was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. Special music in this episode provided by the Auburn University Marching Band, director Corey Sperlin, and the Auburn University College of Liberal Arts. Meet and Three is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Any other final thoughts on football season? Are you excited?
0: Go, dogs. I am excited. It's so much fun. <laughs> we're going we're to take down Bama this year. That's my thought for football season.
1: I would be, I'm happy for anybody to take down Bama. <laughs> It could be Atlanta United. I don't care.
0: (laughs) They might. It's a good team. (laughs) They can do it all.